hello, hey. hello. Hello. Welcome to Sherman and Ski. We'll talk you into it. I am Sherman. And I am Ski. And I am shifting from bourbon to a natty bow. There you go. Classic. It's a classic. It's a classic. classic. The thing I love about the Natty Bow, uh, and if you don't know what that is, uh, folks, it is the best uh, crappy light, not light, uh, uh, watery, watery beer that you can get in a can in the greater Baltimore DMV area. Uh, it is the PBR of the area. Uh, it is uh, very much like a, it's not quite like the champagne of beers that has a little more, uh, how, how should we say, carbonation. Uh, but this this is liquid gold is what it is. I'm, I'm I'm having some liquid gold. It's a classic American light lager, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, it's a Yingling. It's like a Yingling, right? It's 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 I don't know. It's less syrupy than Yingling to me. So just, <laughs> honestly, I do you know. I just uh, it's a thing. It's a thing. Um, so um, we, I didn't mention this last time, so I want to get it in. Uh, if you want to suggest an artist for us to review. Uh, or for us to talk about, or for us to try to talk someone else into listening to, email us at shermanandski at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and any feedback. You know, you can tell us that we're too old to be doing this or that why aren't you doing the weekend? And I would tell you that I wouldn't be able to do the weekend. I don't know enough about the weekend to do the weekend. Could you do the weekend, Ski? Could you do it? Um, I could make a valiant effort because I think he's appeared on SNL and I've seen him on the Grammys a few times because my daughter loves watching the Grammys. So I could make a valiant effort. He did a great track um, with Daft Punk um, that, that's worth checking out. But um, yeah, I, I think it might be a very brief episode even with that. So <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed you got that far. I can't get past the guy's hair personally, but uh, like you are you are much further along. You are much further along. So, um, so we were brainstorming and doing our normal text thing where we're going back and forth, like saying like, well, what do you want to do? And, um, you know, I was thrilled that ski was like, let's do something from the 2010s. And we just did the Thane rate lift, uh, and the night sweats, but then, uh, ski hit me back with a classic and I'll let him go. So ski, what are we doing? Yeah. Well, I want to go back a few years and, uh, to Blondie, um, you know, yeah. one of those greatest American rock and roll bands. Um, they defined a place and a sound, you know, coming out of New York in the late seventies, uh, the post-punk era, the so-called new wave era of music, um, defined that scene, defined CBGBs. Um, and even, I guess, a part in some ways, even defined like studio 54, because what I love about this band is they hit on so many different levels. I mean, they came out of punk, they came out of Andy Warhol, uh, the art scene, um, but they also hit with reggae. They also hit with just straight pop. They also hit with disco uh, infused songs. Um, and so they could, they could hit all over the map. Uh, they even have a great soundtrack song. And we did Duran Duran. I sure me came up with A View to a Kill. And I might attempted to pick uh, one of Blondie's songs that they came out of a, 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 uh, one of their a song, a soundtrack uh, to a movie. Um, but it was, there's just bands like that that, like define not just a sound but a scene um uh are, are few and far between and they deservedly are in the rock and roll hall of fame um plus i mean let's be honest i've always had a crush on debbie harry so i'm not gonna lie i mean she's gorgeous um but she could kick ass uh she has she's the inspiration to i think shirley manson uh, of garbage and 
fortunate to see Garbage and, and Blondie uh, do a show together. Um, so she has that grit. She has that, I'm going to pull you in. I'm going to rip you to shreds. And one of their songs. Um, and it's nice. just, yeah, but they, they hit on so many different levels. And so they can do the reggae song. Uh, they can do the pop song. Um, my first song right off the bat, I'm just going to jump right into it, is probably it. my favorite song. And I think their best song. Um, it's hanging on the telephone and it's one that ties them to yes, punk, my man. ties yes, them my to man. guitars. And, you know, the way that, you know, Shirley Manson from Garbage prowls the stage, Debbie Harry prowls the stage. And with that song and her vocal, it's gritty, it's real, it's raw, it's CBGBs, it's New York uh, in the late 70s. It's the streets uh, of New York. Um, and it, it's, it's, for me, it's, it's their best song. Um, and so you're not going to find that style of music on every album and every record. Um, but that's the one that I think will, will draw you in. And you're going to say, oh, what else can they do? If they can pull this off, what else they can do? And like I said, they can go in so many different directions. But it's raw. It's pure rock. Um, it's punk influenced. Um, and she just grabs you and shakes you around and throws you back on the floor. Um, and then you hope that, you know, they have 10 or 11 songs left in the set. Because if that's what they're going to lead off with, or that's going to kick you in the ass, they got to have more. And so, yeah, hanging on a telephone um, is the first track for me. Do you know, uh, first of all, Ski, uh, thank you. Uh, that was one of my picks. So well done. Awesome. <laughs> uh, it's a two minute and 17 second track. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, how much do you know about that song? Did you know that it was a cover? I didn't know that it was a cover. That's a new one for me. Yeah. It is a cover of a band called The Nerves, which only had come out with a song, you know, about two years prior to that. Uh, they were a power pop new wave band that had opened for the Ramones and they were based in Los Angeles. They formed in 1974. Uh, and so, yeah, they were kind of hanging out with the Knack, the Beat, the Plimsolls. Um, so that was that was the vibe that... That was that song, and it, the, one of the things I bring it up not to 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 surprise you with something specifically, but to kind of talk about Debbie Harry as a vocalist, yeah, and and her taste. Like you brought up the fashion scene in a way because you're talking about Studio Fifty Four yeah. in the in the late seventies. You're talking about CBGBs. You're talking about that that nineteen seventy seven era of dirty, sexy New York, right? Like where like everyone's you know doing a whole bunch of drugs and doing a whole bunch of each other and like, you know, everything's scary and dirty and wild and, and they were right in the middle of it. And Debbie Harry back in the day used her sex appeal uh, like a sledgehammer uh, in the best possible way. Um, and just, you know, she was always the front of the band, you know, like she wasn't afraid of it. You know, it was very feminist. And like, she was like, all right, the band's called Blondie. I'm Blondie. Boom. Here's, there's, you know, four guys in suits standing behind you. Five guys. <laughs> right. 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 The cover of Parallel Lines is um, I'm going to I have it up here. It's five guys. So it's five guys in black suits and black ties and, and her in, in in a white dress with her hands on her hips and wearing white high heels. I mean, like it's not dirty. It's just defiant, you know, and Parallel Lines is an incredible record. Uh, I listened to it front to back today um, and hanging on the telephone leads it off leads off that record yeah um that so digging digging go ahead no go, just gonna, go. that surprises me that that's a cover but you know they she makes it i mean it's just it's so pure and raw she makes it her and own she makes it her own um i'm gonna definitely have to go back and listen to the original version i mean you're always 
learning these things. Like when somebody told me that uh, Naked Eyes, Always Something There to Remind Me was a cover, that blew me away. Like, what? That's one of my favorite 80s tracks. But um, yeah, defined a, yeah. a sound, defined a scene. And um, yeah, she kills you with it. So it's still like still a highlight uh, of their live show. They do. They, but it's remarkable going when I was cycling through the catalog, I was really excited to get to the Blondie stuff here because I kind of dove in deep and there's obviously there's a lot to, there's a lot to talk about in terms of their impact on the music scene and where they are in the pantheon of rock. Uh, and, and it's wonderful, but they had a lot of covers like uh, uh, that. That was one of the things that I really noticed about going through the uh, discography of of uh, of Blondie is that there was at least one or two covers on every one, um, which is this one on Plastic Letters, uh, which is the album before uh, Parallel Lines, which is their huge one. They do this song uh, Denis, uh, which you know also brings in the fact that she does all of these. You know, she has this French influence. Uh, you know, where she sings in French regularly on some of these tracks and. Um, uh, and that is a, a really, it was a really well-known melody. Uh, it was from a 60s track um, that uh, later, of all people, uh, uh, Giorgio Moroder, and I always say that wrong, but uh, I have a hard time pronouncing that. You barely got name. any of his name out of your mouth, <laughs> Giorgio Moroder. I did. <laughs> Giorgio Moroder. I'm not that drunk. I'm not. I swear to God. Um but he did this song called uh, Doobie Doo, and that's what, and it's I'm in love with you, Doobie Doo, do, do, do. That's what Denis is. And she covers that on Plastic Letters, which is the album before Parallel Lines. It was just one of those, like, she could do anything and make it blondie. Yeah. And talk, and talk about a way that an artist can do that. And it wasn't just her, you know, it, Blondie was, 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 of course it was Denny Harry. You don't, you don't have a, you don't have a Blondie without Debbie Harry, but you also have the other guys on the record, um, Clem Burke on drums. Uh, and then, and then you have the keyboardist who uh, is Jimmy Destry, uh, who was integral to the success of the band. Um, and then the guitarist as well, who, of course, uh, I'm not remembering his name off the top of my head, but they they were a they were a, a real band and a real group that did that that co-wrote songs that they weren't that weren't covers and and had just an unbelievable string of hits. Um, and you could cherry pick hits from a lot of Blondie records, um, their greatest hits record um, or one of the many ones of those because at this point like there's three or four different greatest hits packages not just the one that i bought in the 90s um <laughs> there's there's so many different albums that they pull in. there's always two three good songs on almost every blondie record from going back and listening to all of yeah. those um but the but i do think that um it's hard to find that one where you're just like wow you know that is exactly the exemplary sound of them it's hard to pick just one because they kept skipping through genres like you brought up before yeah. you know they they dip they dip on parallel lines they have one track that dips into disco and it's heart of glass which is clearly one of their most well-known hits period if it's not their number one overall known hit it's number two yeah. right um no no question you know, but that's their own but that's their only disco track on that record you know um the uh, Call Me, uh, which is not on 
on the original release of anything they did, which is the theme from the movie American Gigolo, the 1980 smash hit starring Richard Gere. You know, I mean, like, that is their biggest song, I would imagine. Um, and that's not an, on an original record. Um, they they, they pack, re, repackaged it onto the uh, audio, uh, auto American record from 1980. Uh, they tacked right. it on. But it wasn't part of that record. But going through all of it, I have to say, um, the one track that I kept coming back to is Dreaming. And that's my first pick. Wow. Well um, I, I think Dreaming is, first of all, it's the first song off of their follow-up to Parallel Lines, uh, Eat to the Beat, which is a great title, but not really that great of a record. But Dreaming is phenomenal. It just kind of takes you on this little three-minute pop journey and you get to hear her kind of drift in and out of this like just this it's a beautiful pop song i don't, I don't know of another way to put it um you don't ever for a second when you're listening to it with the weird quality of debbie harry's voice where she kind of is slightly off with all of her high notes but like reaches it you know it's kind of like you can hear her straining for it but like it's charming in a way that like it wouldn't be if you saw her on like the voice or the mass singer or something or whatever uh whatever a competition a competition show you know if you saw her on a competition show and she, you didn't know it was debbie harry you wouldn't like just forgive her you know because she's reaching right. for it but because she had that panache and that character um it adds to it. It adds to everything about it. So my pick is Dreaming. I think it's a terrific song. It leads off that record. Um, it sounds great. It still sounds great in concert. Um, and it has that that chorus that like, you know, it, it, it's it's wonderful. I, I yeah, I think I saw, I've been checking out some of their live concerts and classic live concerts on um, YouTube. And that one was, uh, she pulled that out. I think it was like the second song on the list. I'm blanking on the, the, the first song, but she jumps right into it. And the thing about her voice is that her voice carries live and it might not be perfect, like you said, but um, it fits everything that they do. And she may, like we've said before, she makes it her own. Um, and so you're not even paying attention. Like, how did she hit all the right notes? I mean, it's, it's a beautiful pop song. It's a beautiful medley. Um, and it, it's just, it's, it's a classic part uh, of their catalog. And so it's going to draw you in and it just, it shows another, um, strength of their band, you know, beyond heart of glass and beyond hanging on a telephone, uh, which is my first pick. Um, they can do the pop songs and you're talking about them covering a lot of songs. I mean, dreaming is a one that, you know, you could pick it up, uh, in any era. Um, and maybe the weekend should cover it and, and put it out there for his, <laughs> his next album. Who should cover dreaming? Who would be good covering dreaming? Not the weekend. So it's, it's gotta be somebody who could be good covering dreaming. I mean, I mentioned it on before in our last, uh, podcast, but Casey Musgraves, I think could pull that off and she has enough of like, you know, she could dip mm. her toes into the pop realm uh, for something like that. Yeah. Um, you could also say, I, get, I don't know. I, I mean, country is on my mind because that's all my daughter seems to listen to these days. But I could also see Carrie Underwood, um, you know, covering that song as, as well. Um, so, so I'm trying to think more like in, in, you know, some of the my favorite singers, although I am a huge Casey Musgraves fan. Um, but yeah, so I could see her doing it. Um, mm -hmm. And The Tide is High is another one that it's not one of my picks. But yeah, that that's a song that I know has been picked up even it was a it was a cover for Blondie, but other bands have picked that up, and other 
uh, girl groups have picked that up too. And so, yeah, I mean, dreaming is a one that it, it's let, let's, let's start a campaign and, you know, find the right singer to, to pick that up and it'll be another hit. Cause it's a hit song. It's just a hit song. It, it's a hit song. And you're, I'm glad you brought up the Titus high because I, I don't know if I ever need to hear that song again. And yet it's, it's, and it's a cover again, speaking to what I was talking about before, how Blondie does covers and they do them very, very well. But my God, like, uh, it's a massive hit. I mean, like, the best of Blondie is, like, insane with the number of hits that are on it. it it's No, it, it's, it's, it's start to it's finish. Crazy. And, it, yeah, no, it, it's, it's not one that I would ever pick and say, if you want to get into Blondie, I'm not going to talk you into it with the tide is high. Because you've already, you probably have already heard it. And you've already heard you it. Don't, you, you, need, you, don't, you don't need to hear it again to, in that, to, um, to try and, like, turn you on to Blondie. But it was a massive hit. And... Yeah, it just it showed a different dimension to the band, you know, trying to do reggae. Um, and even like, I think she still gets the credit for having the first um, top 40 or top 10 rap single um, with Rapture, which I think is kind of, yeah. With Rapture? I, yeah, I don't know. I think that's a bit of a stretch um, to give Blondie that, <laughs> that title. But nevertheless, you know, that's, um, I've heard that well, trivia question hold before. Well, on. So. I'm going to. I don't know. I don't. I mean, well, you're you're absolutely right that that's true, and that's technically true, and I uh, respect your opinion. However, let's go hot take. They, I mean, they they expanded the sound. They went places that other people couldn't go um, sonically, um, where they where she did incorporate that. And at that point, when Rapture came out, uh, what was that? Eighty eighty one. I mean, like, like it wasn't like it was common to be, to be bringing in rap beats from the South Bronx, like, like, and they were a massive success, two, three years before that, and they cashed it in, to record Rapture, to record a six-minute. Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I love the song, like, and I think that's a, like it was a whole another podcast, like dipping our toes into you know a band like that. You know, are they? exposing you to a different kind of music and different kind of scene or are they appropriating it and it, it I could, we could go on forever <laughs> we should though we should do this we should do this and not to cut you off i'm sorry but you know now the now the booze has kicked in i'm just looking at like this record right now the record that rapture is on which is auto american rolling stone yeah. gave it one star i mean oh and and meanwhile there's two massive hits on it which is the tide is high and rapture i mean so even if the rest of the album was garbage, like you had two songs that are, are absolutely integral to the and band. And it's funny family. because like they were a band like that, like I was surprised that, you know, I mean, they've obviously, they, they've gotten since gotten back together. They tour frequently as we, as we know, um, they've put out additional studio albums, but like the, their core era that made up um, the best of Blonde. And I love what you said about, you know, picking up the greatest hits because this is what, this is one of those bands where, you know, I came too late. Like you, you hear these songs all around you growing up. Um, and then, you know, they hear them at a bunch of different parties in college and you're like, oh, I'll get something. I'll just get the greatest hits album. Um, and since then, like you, I've gone back and listened to the individual albums. But if you look, yeah. I mean, 77 to 82, I mean, it's like a five year span and you have 12 songs on the best of Blondie, which is the greatest hits album that I have. Um, and, yeah, Same. I mean, it's that's 12, 13 songs um, in a five year span. Um, and so they they hit the ground running and they they burned out um, before they came back uh, in the late 90s. Um, but in that time when they were active, 
and they're just cranking out hits. And so the albums, I think, are worth going back to and checking out because um, each album has a hit. Each album has a hit. Um, and you get one of the best greatest hits record that I think is, has been recorded. So I'm going to agree with the greatest hits record part for sure, 100%. Um, I, I have a, a newfound respect now that I'm in my mid-40s that for bands that have that took that that built up a stack of chips for lack of a better phrase right like they come out parallel lines like it's a massive massive hit it's like the biggest it's the it's the biggest record of their career still right and they eventually within the next two records like push the envelope they're including different sounds they're including reggae covers with you know with the tide is high they're introducing rap to uh, a somewhat of a mainstream audience, right? And and having it be the first rap track to ever hit number one in the United States on Billboard, right? So they took risks, right? Just like The Clash took risks when they were like, you know, expanding their sound beyond punk and including different elements. Like when they, you know, when they, when they came out with London Calling and they were expanding their sound. You know, it's great to start out and, and blow things up. And when you are of a certain age, you don't want that to change. But now that I'm at best middle-aged, if not outright old, like I'm looking back at this stuff and yeah. I have a lot more respect for it. You know, I have a lot more respect for like them saying, but again, and we're very much in the camp of, hey, just, you know, let the rock rock and get out of the way. I, I have to kind of adjust myself a little bit here and that sounded dirty, but I mean, I have to kind of adjust my thinking and be like, you know, give them credit even if rolling stone gave the album one star like there were two huge hits and then they threw call me on there too so that it could sell more copies of course they did no i, I mean i think that's right but i i don't you know it's that surprises me that they got one star i mean and now you know from rolling stone's perspective you know they can do no wrong um you know they're they're in the hall of fame and rolling stone is a big part of you know putting the hall of fame together um but I, yeah, I mean, with time, their cultural relevance, I think, grows. And so what, you know, maybe at the time and the albums came out and, I don't know, kind of music critics kind of shrugged them off. I mean, they're, they remain relevant because the, the hits remain relevant. Um, and they're a groundbreaking band in so many ways. And like I said, for, at the beginning, oh, yes, and, you know, that defining the, the scene yes. and the sound. So they're... It's, it's interesting that like critics may have dismissed some of their, their records, um, but they remain relevant because the band remained relevant and the band got through with the hits. Um, but I think with, with time and perspective, you realize the impact that they had was probably much bigger than, you know, a critic might have thought when, you know, he was reviewing you know, an individual record. Um, so, <laughs> Right, right. And you never know. Like, I mean, it's just rare for me to even... I can't even believe I noticed it just looking at, I mean, I'm on Wikipedia. I'm not like doing a deep dive here. Like, and I look over and I see like that this album got a one star yeah. review for Rolling Stone. Like that's like, that, that would seem to be epic flop on like, you know, meatloaf territory or something like that. But yeah. anyway, um, why don't you give me uh, your second? Yeah. The there, second one senor? is, you know, so you could go in so many different directions here. Um, again, you just look at the best of Blondie. Now you could pick any one of these tracks. But the one that I'm going to go with um, is Atomic. And I think that was uh, off of I hate, I hate you. I hate <laughs> you. No, sorry. That was so Eat much. to the Beat, I think. I think it was on it. That's off yeah. of Eat to the Beat. I was, that was, I, I, no, I don't actually hate you. No. That's great. I was going to. I, I no, we're hitting atomic. all the, the right. I love the Atomic. And I, and I, I love Atomic. I was just picking 
um, Amer- uh, call me from American Gigolo. I came very close to picking one way or another because, I mean, that's just, oh God, it's, it's just a classic rock song. And I've heard uh, any, you know, upcoming aspiring female rock singer on any of the, the American Idols or The Voice um, at one point or another has done one way or another. Um, it's a crowd pleaser, but Atomic just kicks ass. And Atomic brings in Atomic and the, the rhythm awesome. in that, it does have a disco infused. <laughs> rhythm um it does sound like a soundtrack song um but it it incorporates you know the guitars and um you know her vocal it again just it goes into a different stratosphere um and then just layers it gives with a boom of atomic it just hits you it hits you in the gut um so i'm gonna go with atomic as my you know second song um because it incorporates all of those it's so many of the elements um the the punk the rock uh, the disco, uh, the pop, um, that, you know, they, they went in all these different directions and they just put it all into that one song with a great guitar line, um, followed by that, that, the classic, uh, disco rhythm section. So it has a gallop. Yeah. It has that disco gallop. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was going to take this one. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, I'm glad you said it first power on um but oh my god man atomic is so dope and here's the thing about atomic like when they played it i think was it their last song or second last song when we saw something like that yeah uh, at wolf trap it was like near the end of the set and it just there's a gallop to it i know i just said that that reminds me of the squeeze track cool for cats which is a great early squeeze song um and and because cool for cats has this dun 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 this fake new yeah, western exactly. thing yeah. Yeah. right and like atomic does this like and they have this same american west rhythm thing which is really funny that like there's this band from the uk that like did it like in this new wave vibe and then a couple of years later like Debbie Harry like actually one ups them with this song. Um, I can't. I was, I was hoping I was gonna love "Eat to the Beat" today when I listened to the whole thing the whole way through, um, because "Atomic" is so great and because "Dreaming" is the first track. Um, I have nothing, nothing but praise for your yeah. selection here and, on "Atomic." No, and, I was just gonna say go like, and, and go. with "Atomic." Also, you know, speaking of like soundtracks. Um, I was aware and I knew Atomic and it, I also remember it appeared on one of the seminal soundtracks, I think of our era in the nineties train spotting. And it was covered by one of my oh. favorite uh, Brit pop bands. Everybody knows how much I love Elastica. Um, they're not in Alaska's category, but sleeper uh, was another uh, Brit pop band of that era, female fronted Brit pop band that I just loved. And they covered Atomic. Uh, on the train spouting soundtrack. Elastica, you could draw a straight line, but dude, you, you could draw such a straight line from Blondie to Elastica's first. Totally. Sure. No, I, I, that's a great point. And <laughs> wow, I didn't even thought about it before, but yeah, you could because, I mean, Blondie came from that post-punk scene, the new wave scene, and then Alaska took that um, in the early mid-90s and added a, a Britpop feel appeal to it. And yeah, you could totally make that uh, connection uh, between the two bands. The thing about Blondie, too, is that, like, you know, she was, I mean, Debbie Harry was glamorous. Like, she was a glamorous woman. She wasn't afraid of being glamorous. She wasn't afraid of being, like, a badass. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And and there's so many bands. I mean, you mentioned Garbage. Obviously, we're talking Elastica. But there's so many 90s uh, girl rock bands that were not afraid to adopt that. And you've got to believe that there was some huge Blondie influence 
even just image wise, right. That like that they weren't, there were women who weren't afraid to rock and it didn't matter if they were like wearing a, a leather skirt and heels, you know, there's no go-go's without. No, her. absolutely not. I mean, like, like she, she like, she, she was the coolest person to pave the way for all of that. Um, Atomic is kind of a sexy song too. Like, it, like it's, there's a lot of sexy songs that, that Blondie does, but I, I think Atomic is, and again, it's one of those things we mentioned, I think we've mentioned in every single podcast we've done so far, um, that, like if something builds, if a song actually builds to a crescendo the way that it's supposed to, because it's freaking music, but, but yeah. you know what I'm saying here, right? Like it, it builds to a thing and, you're, and, and that gallop and that, and it has that disco club beat thing that they weren't afraid of after the success of Heart of Glass um in the previous record i mean you know jimmy destry on the keyboards not being scared it's it, it yeah it he does it and yeah i was like i said i mentioned what what been watching old blondie uh concerts um and clem berg and it, we saw this when we saw them live but he's a beast on the drums i mean the guy doesn't stop and yes talk about making connections i would make a t- connection uh, from him straight to uh donna c I mean, just like the first time I saw Donna C at the Donna's see <laughs> uh, our fir- one of our first podcasts, like she was just she was an animal on the drums, and she was just like the, a ball of energy. And Clem Berg is just a ball of energy. I mean, he doesn't stop. And uh, Chris yeah. Stein on the guitar. I apologize, Chris, that it took me a half hour to get to your name. I apologize, Chris Stein on the guitar, integral yeah. to the success of the band. Yeah, one of the two leaders of the band, you know, with Debbie Harry, um, and one of the. I think only two original. Me- oh no, Klimberg is still in, in in the band. So, yeah, three Klimberg. original members left. That, uh, but I want to I want to take a step and say, in today's re-listening of Eat to the Beat and Parallel Lines and and some of the other records, uh, Ski, this is going to go against what we're trying to espouse here a little bit. I got to say, this is the first one we've run into. I'm sure we'll run into it again, but. You could get a lot of what Blondie sounds like mm-hmm. from the greatest hits record. Uh, I am not convinced that everyone's got to run out and buy, uh, or you download, or spend a lot of time listening to all of Auto American. Uh, I'm I'm not telling you to do that. I'm, in fact, I might be telling you not to do that. I listened to all of Eat to the Beat today, and I could take or leave a lot of it. The hits are awesome, um, but I can kind of take or leave a lot of it. There's, you know. Um, well, there's one very big exception to that, and that is Parallel Lines. And there is not a song off of Parallel Lines that is not an absolute must. There is a reason that this album was as successful as it was. It deserves it. It deserved its, its commercial success. It deserved to define the sound of an era, which it did for late 70s New Wave. It has a disco track that Clem Burke talks about, um, which is Heart of Glass, where he talks about how he was trying to get the drums to sound like Saturday Night Fever and the drums on the Bee Gees. Like, they were after that. Um, that's that's yeah. cool. That's cool that someone was saying that somebody that was a, a new wave slash punk band hanging out at CBGB's was like, we want, we want to try this and we want to expand our sound and we want to see if it works. And it wound up being one of the biggest hits on, off of the record. Um, they, the fact that in their reissue in 2001, they have a, a, a cover of Bang a Gong that they recorded in 1978 at the Paradise in Boston. Like, that's T-Rex. Again, Blondie, yeah. covers. 
like they 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 were a great band. I love covers, and the fact that you you can be a, a killer band and also reinterpret uh, uh, reinterpret a song and make it your own and imprint your own sensibilities on that song. Um, you know, I find that to always be super, super interesting, even when it fails, even when it doesn't work. And I feel like it worked a lot more frequently for them than it failed. Uh, and I can't say enough amazing things about, about, about parallel lines. I think parallel lines is a must. I'm embarrassed. I don't have it. I'm going to correct that as soon as I can. Uh, on vinyl uh, because A, I'll bet it sounds fantastic and B, it, it's it, top to bottom, one through 12, it's essential. It's an essential song. Uh, uh, essential. Yeah, essential it's, uh, I would, I think you can't go wrong with their greatest hits package. Look, I mean, that's what I um, fell in love with. That's how I fell in love with Blondie. I think Parallel Lines uh, is definitely worth, um, you know, taking a listen to, as you said. I mean, because top to bottom, um, it's every track is, is worth it. Every track, uh, jumps out of you. And so I, I think you can, you're, you're fine. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I mean, I, I think I've enjoyed going back and listening to their individual. You can. I know, <laughs> from time to time. Um, I've enjoyed going back and listening to their individual albums. Cause you're always going to find, you know, songs that you miss. Um, I am a massive, as you know, Credence fan, a John Fogarty fan. And I grew up, I can't grow up. I mean, at first, introduction to that band was their greatest hits package. And I just listened to that for years without realizing, um, you know, that they had individual records. Um, and, and so you, you get away with it with Blondie, but you're right. If you had to go and pick one parallel lines is it. it's an, it's an all time classic. Um, and it go, does go in all the different directions uh, that Blondie, that Blondie went. I'm going to, go with my second pick it's from parallel lines it's the second track off of parallel lines yeah it's one way or another no can't go wrong uh I, yeah i mean that is i think the only thing that we're honestly missing is that we're we're so let's talk about one way or another one way or another just flat out rocks it sets the tone for so much you know uh she growls she literally growls while she sings this song um it's probably spawned a million excellent karaoke versions of it and a million terrible karaoke versions of the song. Um, but it's one of those things where I would call it a litmus test if I saw someone getting up there and singing it uh, at karaoke and being like, all right, what do you got? You know, male or female, I don't care. Sing one way or another, let me hear you. You know, like it's, it's wonderful. And then again, that code at the end of it where there's, it sounds like there's a siren going and it's over and over again. Um, it's 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 great. It's a great rock track. Um, it's a tone setter. Yeah. Um, and it, and you know a one two punch, a hanging on the telephone, one way or another. Go out and buy the record. And oh, by the way, Heart of Glass is on the second side. Uh, yeah. I mean, like it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Her uh, voice so and great. goes in so many different directions on that song because it does have the growl. It does have that like you know stick it in. Yeah. And then she goes into this huge, this beautiful, <laughs> gorgeous. Uh, angelic voice with the oohs and the ahs and so she can cover a lot of ground um but it is you know one of their, their best rock songs and you know it's just a great riff um and one that you said has been probably covered multiple times on multiple karaoke stages. and i said you know like in, in multiple singing competitions um but that is a, mm -hmm. a one-two punch to open up an album hanging on the telephone one way or another um yeah that, that you can't go wrong there <laughs> to, to, to put it mildly 
I mean, that let's think about the, the, the folks that are influenced by that. Like I was thinking of it, you know, when I was listening to it again today, I thought of the strokes. Uh, I don't know if that ever entered your mind. I know that you're a massive strokes fan, but I thought that there is this, not just a New York uh, straight line, which the, certainly the East village in New York, um, there is a straight line there, but I just feel like that sound that they had was very classic guitar driven and clean. And there's a lot of that that comes that that is Ramones, Blondie, late 70s, New York punk, New York dolls, like all yeah. of that. Like it's there. It's there. And um, it's they're not stealing it, but they're not afraid to talk about it um, or they're not afraid to to be influenced by stuff like this. I would imagine that they would admit it yeah immediately if you asked them um you know i talked so much about the cars when we talked about thompson wayne but you know there's a lot of that new wave i mean anything that is in that new wave category certainly hits but i think the only thing that we're really not doing justice to is the disco influence like on our four choices um you know we don't really none of the four choices that we took acknowledge the heart of glass disco the call me disco, um, any of any of that. Uh, if you think about um, how much Italo disco, I mean, like I couldn't, I still can't pronounce his name, but Marauder's influence. Yeah, <laughs> ah, screw you. Uh, but Giorgio, I'll call him. I'll just call him Giorgio. Giorgio's in. I mean, Giorgio writing the entire soundtrack to American Gigolo, and then having that song be done by Blondie and it becoming and having call me become their biggest hit ever. We haven't picked it. No, there's nothing wrong, wrong with, with it. it. I think for me, at least that's too easy. No, well, oh, what's wrong with but it, it's, it's too easy <laughs> to pick heart of glass because I think it's heart of glass is. No, I'm saying, I, call I, me. I, I call me. No, I came close to call me. I did, but I think um, we do get the disco influence on Atomic. And so you can hear that. It's, it's there. And you can hear it on Atomic. Um, not to the same extent as Heart of Glass. I think Call Me, to me, is less disco, more disco rock. Um, and, would fit, and would fit nicely yes. on uh, Kiss's seminal disco rock album, Dynasty. Um, so I'll, I'll put in a plug for dynasty there, but yeah, no, it, they, <laughs> Congrats, you got it they're in. a part of that scene. There's no question about it. Heart of glass. It's one of those things like heart of glass. You just, you, you hear it. I put heart of glass and the tide is high almost in the same category because if you're going to hear two blonde songs on classic eighties radio, you're going to hear those two or, you know, uh, uh, new wave radio, you're going to hear those two blonde songs. And so I was really, tr I wanted to stretch a little bit. Hanging on the telephone is my favorite um, Blondie song, and how I discovered tonight it's a cover, but that's fine, you know. It, but it's, I, I, I don't think we're ignoring awesome. that. Who yeah. the hell knows who the nerves are? Only Wikipedia. I, I'm sorry. But essentially, that you brought it, I didn't realize that George Roberger did the entire um, American <laughs> uh, Gigolo uh, soundtrack um, because I think you can do a tie to a band that I don't know. Maybe I might pick for. Um, a future um, a podcast. I think I brought them up on one of our pre-talk uh, you into it podcasts that I just I'm getting more and more into, and I li listen to them a lot. But um, is Berlin, and you can make a thing a connection between you know Blondie oh, leading yeah. into Berlin, and Berlin is I talk about time and place. I mean, of you know the early '80s of the synth um, sound uh, of the early '80s. 
So, and Giorgio Moro produced um, some of their tracks and produced their, their number one hit uh, off of the Top Gun soundtrack, Take My Breath Away. So um, I think it's very... Yes, which he says is his best. He says that's the, that's the song that he's proudest of, actually. <laughs> I have his Wikipedia up right now, even though I can't pronounce his last name. And he says that the, the best thing that he ever did or the proudest moment he's ever had was yeah. doing Take My Breath Away by Berlin. And the other parts of Berlin hated it. <laughs> and it broke, up the, it broke up the band. But uh, <laughs> there you go. So, Did you know he did, that he worked on the theme song, The NeverEnding Story? That, no. I didn't either. I think I he also did like a I, comeback anyway, record yeah, with it's... Hank Williams III, didn't he? Or was it Shooter Jennings he did an album with? But recently yeah uh, he's been very active of late he's been very active of late because people respect the crap out of him um but look it feels a little embarrassing that like i mean i almost pick call me too uh so i mean there's no question that i mean it's hard not to pick call me it's so great uh but again like their hits are so good they're 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 just uh they're it was this was. was a tough task it was a tough task um, but I'm, I'm glad that we did it. And, you know, again, I feel like their Italo disco <laughs> influence is. It's a new, yeah, you I mean, a new real. phrase. I love it. it. No, it's not a new phrase. It's a thing. But like, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, what's, who's the guy? Talk to me about the guy, the Gloria, the Gloria. No, I can't, no, Talk I can't think of his Gloria. name right now, but, uh, yeah. Italian singer songwriter that wrote Gloria that, uh, I always thought, yeah, Umberto. Uh, Umberto, Umberto, what? <laughs> Umberto Palermo. Umberto thank Palermo. you. Right. I was actually trying to think of the guy's <laughs> real name, but uh, you got me on that one. Um, so, no. Anyway, all right. Well, um, I, any final thoughts? Um, there were a couple of deep tracks that I wanted to mention uh, that I did find on listening to Blondie over the last couple of days. Um, one of them is "I Know But I Don't Care." Um, that song is, uh, terrific. I'm sorry. That is incorrect. The name of the song is I know, but I don't know. And it's on parallel lines. It's a six song. It's terrific. Um, at for a second, I thought Tom Petty was guesting on it. Um, it wasn't him. Um, but it's a really terrific way to end side one of the record. And then there was another song called, I didn't have the nerve to say no, which uh, doesn't sound like a good lyric in this day and age, <laughs> but was a really great tune. <laughs> it was a really great tune. It's not, it's not particularly, uh, I, I don't, I don't, it, that's the first song of side two off of uh, plastic letters, which is the, the, tr- the album prior to parallel lines, but there you go. What, what, what are, what, are, what is the well, other I, songs? I, we've hit on so many of them. Uh, Sunday Girl. I'm just uh, looking at the best of Blondie first. Sunday Girl, um, In the Flesh, Ripper to Shreds, which I (laughs) brought up in my intro. Um, But there's another one. They did make comeback records. And comeback records for a band like this, you know, are always uh, hit or miss. Uh, They did one, The Curse of Blondie, which I actually do have in my CD collection. And that could make... Um, that could wow. make the episode uh, like a, a follow-up episode God to that. How did this get in my record collection? I don't remember when I picked up the Curse of Blondie. You know, one of their um, late, uh, no, early two thousands comeback records. But uh, ninety nine, uh, they did uh, album No Exit. Um, and yeah, I don't know, like Maria is a great song. It's just a great song. It doesn't define Blondie the same way as anything on the best of Blondie, right? 
Oh, but it's a, I it's remember a great that. Debbie Hara vocal. Yeah. Maria. It's yeah. a great example no, of a, a good poppy, song. Yeah, no, that's you know, good. Blondie song. And, um, yeah, 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 it's good, man. That's, that's good. off of no that's exit. Of no the last thing I'll say about Blondie, right. and I love him, and I, I'm so glad they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, deserve to be there. It was one of the more uncomfortable moments, and Micah might edit this out. <laughs> it was one of those uncomfortable moments because they introduced the original <laughs> band, and at that point, touring Blondie uh, had left off uh, the original bass player and one of the original guitarists, and they're, everybody's doing their their thank yous, and then you know they do the thank yous, and Debbie Harry, Chris Stein, and Jimmy Destry, Clem Burke, and then they go off to get ready to play with um, the newer members of the band. And so the last two guys uh, who had been kicked out of the band and they refused to play with, you know, they're left to say their thank yous while the audience is clearly focused on Blondie about ready to kick it. And the last guy up there, the, their former bass player, it's like he knew, he knew that nobody was paying attention to him. And it's just, and the guitarist gets up there and says, you know, Debbie, can we play with you, please? Can we play with you one more time? Debbie Harry comes over. He's like, uh, no, I, I got to go play with my band. It's brutal. <laughs> it's just brutal. Wow. One of the most uncomfortable uh, rock and roll Hall of Fame moments. But love you, Debbie Harry. Please come on our podcast sometime. Well, um, oh, my God. Can you even imagine? How old is, is Debbie Harry? 73 or something. I mean, she's she's in her. Uh, yeah. And. It was only a couple of years ago when we saw the, them, and they sounded terrific. I mean, they 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 really they they were. She's they, gonna be. They knocked me she's out. She's born in nineteen forty-five. They were absolutely so, great. Holy crap! She'll be seventy-five this summer. Seventy-five. <laughs> Jesus. Give me God some of what's her. her and Tina God Turner bless her. Having, so. uh, Oh man! Well, the Curse of Blondie is a great name for him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to listen Such to it again. I remember listening to it re- like a year and a half or so ago. I mean, like, oh yeah, I'm, I, I don't know about that one, but um, yeah, 2003. Well, look, uh, well done, great Pixki. Uh, awesome that we we're talking about Blondie. I was really excited to dig into this. There's so much history there. Um, thank you for listening. Um, check out our. Uh, our Spotify playlist of Blondie and Blondie inspired uh, or Blondie adjacent songs, uh, which is uh, uh, another nice part of after you've uh, listened to us get through one of these, you can listen to what the heck we're talking about. I'm Ski. Um, We'll see you next time. Sherman.